Welcome to Multiverse with Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke, 2099. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I switched it up. You did. And who are you? And I'm Devin, 1799. Sure, uh, let's go with that. I've I mean, just I... learned now what a computer is. It seems to be some magical device. It has the power of a million abacuses. Its intelligence is greater than a mouse. I believe also, God I is speaking to me now through this ear set. What is God saying? What is God saying? Is God asking what is God saying? Is God asking what is God saying? God says, punch yourself in the balls. Ooh. Yes, sir, my lord. Oh. <laughs> this got really weird. Oh, God. I was going to do this whole thing where I started reading the uh, lyrics to Prince's 1999 is 2099. Yeah, I, I, I'm dropping that whole pretense. Uh, yeah, welcome to Multiverse. We took it in a weird direction, so I was like, well, fine, I guess we're taking us in a weird direction now. Saying I'm Luke 2099 is not a weird direction because you could just be like oh and i'm devon 2099 and then we'd laugh no you went 1799 and my god it, this computer is a god <laughs> oh mm. uh so this week we are doing a sort of introductory approach to covering the marvel 2099 universe uh for those of you who have been with us for a while or for those of you who have um well i'm i'd be surprised if this is anyone's first episode uh we've done a few of these bigger universes before in a variety of fashions like for the age of apocalypse we did it as a ken burns documentary style uh for the new universe i did a series of interviews with creators from that and marvel 2099 is like to cover all of it would be about four times the size of uh, Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. Because, like, these were multi-year running series, and... Some of them were actually they... successful. Yeah. Well, and a lot of them were just, oh, we need to keep this going because it is successful. As opposed to, like, telling a focus story, like, with uh, Mutant X. Yeah. And uh, so what we are going to be doing is a introductory Just based think around... Just what's going to happen, Luke, when we have to try to cover the Ultimate Universe. It stinks. Well. Uh, Not the early thanks, stuff. Kevin. We'll We'll save that for discussing the, ultra, the Ultimate Universe. Uh, yeah, we are going to be basing our coverage around the Fall of the Hammer crossover. And uh, sort of what led up to that in the other series. But uh, the main Marvel 2099 universe is Earth 928. And the premise is that in the future of 2099, the world is controlled by mega corporations that usually act as governments that are 
generally incredibly corrupt. The heroes of the old world have vanished. They've sort of formed into this like mythical age called the heroic age where some of the people are now treated as gods, especially Thor and the Asgardians, whose worshippers are called the Thorites. And Marvel 29 uh, came up... Yeah. And, uh... I'm... I misplaced my uh, window that I had open for this. And the uh, basic episode... Er, shit. I'm... This is why we normally do a, uh, prep. So I'm less mouth farty. Uh, yeah. So it originally started as a way of exploring one possible future of the Marvel Universe. And then, like, there was some weird retcons and stuff where this was the de facto universe. It was originally going to be 2093, which would have been 100 years after the year that the titles were launched. But they switched it to Marvel 2099, which makes sense because it's a better title. Would you agree, oh, Devin? Definitely better. Yes. That was actually though my smart ass question that I said then. Yeah. So now I want to be prepared. Covered. Mm-hmm. And they initially launched with four different titles, three of which were based on pre existing heroes, one was based on a new hero. And then because it was doing well, they kept on adding in more characters until the line sort of started to tank and it eventually all got cancelled and really only one of them still matters anymore um I wouldn't say that uh, Punisher 2099 showed up in several other places and I think Doom 2099 uh, returned and now they've got like the Deadpool 2099 well of course Doom 2099 is still around Luke as long as we all believe. Yeah. You can't stop the Doom. But, uh... The crossover that we're covering is Follow the Hammer, which ran across the four series that were running at the time, which were Spider-Man 2099, Ravage 2099, X-Men 2099, Doom 2099, Punisher 2099, er, and Punisher 2099. And uh, we'll start off talking about Spider-Man 2099, which the main episode, which the main issues we'll be focusing are 15 and 16, which were written by Peter David, with pencils by Rick Leonardi, inks by Al Williamson, letters by Ken Lopez, and Steve Busoletto on the colors. Mm-hmm. And Miguel and Miguel O'Hara worked for Alchemax, which is one of the like biggest companies I think beyond like. Stark Fujikawa, it's the biggest company in the uh, world. Would that be correct, yep. Devin? It is. And, uh, and Miguel... fun fact, Miguel O'Hara was named after R.I.P. late actor Miguel Ferrer. Mm-hmm. I was reading about that last week. And he works at Alchemax, where he is the head of the genetics program that is working on redesigning super soldiers. And he wanted to work on designing a new version of Spider-Man, but the test subject that he's working on dies. He tries to quit. So his boss, Tyler Stone, ends up getting him hooked on Rapture, which is a drug that addicts you on a genetic level. And that way, Tyler Stone, who would also control his supply of the drug Rapture, could force him to stay at the company. Mm-hmm. 
Luckily, Miguel never really trusted his boss or anyone else for that reason, so he had backed up his old DNA, that way he could restore it. But while he was doing it, a co-worker sabotaged the machine by giving him 50% Spider-Man DNA, which gave him spider powers. He put a costume together, and initially he just wanted to find a way to cure himself, but he had realized that the world was getting worse and worse, and he was just living his life blindly, allowing horrible things to happen. So he decided to fight corruption and stand up for the ordinary person as Spider-Man. And there's a long running line of things, uh, like his mom is a big fan of Spider-Man 2099, but she thinks her son is a sellout. Uh, his brother is one of the people who's also rebelling against the uh, mega corporations and... Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of other stuff that doesn't really matter to this point, but it's worth reading. It's not my favorite of the Marvel 2099 series, but we'll talk about that later. And he continues so, to exist to this day. Mm-hmm. Because he so, now lives in the regular Marvel Universe. Yes, he does. So Spider-Man was fighting the cult of Fenris uh, in the downtown which is literally the lowest point of the city. It's sort of like the uh, Futurama city. Yeah. And uh, that's where all the poor people live. He takes out the boss of Fenris, who's a guy named Bloodsword. But when the people come and treat him like a god, he's forced to deal with the fact that, oh yeah, I'm not a god, I can't heal your deformed son. So he gets out of there. Uh, he finds Dana, his current girlfriend, who's talking to Tyler Stone. And he had tried to leave a message for her, but his, like, house AI Lila is in love with him and also is, like, really unstable in a lot of ways. It's like that one episode of The Simpsons with the Treehouse of Horror with uh, Pierce Brosnan voicing Pierce. the house. Mm-hmm. I got that Simpsons reference in there for you, Devin. Hell yeah. And that other great episode of Simpsons, or Futurama where the ship is in love with Fender. That too. Uh, Miguel and Dana end up heading into the City in the Sky, which is also known as Valhalla, because that is where the new Asgardians are living, and they're promising this brave new world. But once they've arrived there, the City in the Sky actually ends up flying into the air, and that is when Thor and Heimdall show up and declare that they are going to bring the world to a new golden age and kill all the false prophets, which they mean all of the, uh, independent superheroes who are out there because Thor and Heimdall are dicks. Mm-hmm. So when Thor starts talking crazy talk, he tries to uh, take Dana. Miguel tries to fight Thor, but he gets his ass knocked out of a window down like thousands of feet, and so he's able to quickly switch into his Spider-Man costume. Dana now thinks that Miguel is dead, and... She gets in trouble because she's questioning the divine nature of uh, Thor and Heimdall and all these other new gods. That's when Spider-Man comes back in, fights the duo, and is holding them down. Uh, and he's, like, fighting them evenly. He even ends up cutting Thor's face, which makes Thor bleed. And he gets tossed out of the window again as Cyber Mjolnir chases after Spider-Man. And meanwhile... Like, one of the things that really didn't come into play was uh, his brother Gabe was looking for him. And 
his house bot just or his house AI just gets really pissed off at him. And uh, Mjolnir ends up hitting Spider-Man, leaving him in the rubble. And when he gets up, Spider-Man, and when he gets up, Punisher 2099 is waiting for him. So, how did you feel about Spider-Man 2099? Because even though we're just summarizing, we did read all the other issues building up to these. Yeah, I like Spider-Man 2099. I'm not necessarily a big Peter David fan. See, actually, I like a decent amount of his stuff. I think sometimes he gets caught up on, like, very strict ideas of how he sees the world, and he has a hard time looking past those. Mm-hmm. Like with the uh, stuff at uh, New York Comic Con where he had some very racist views about the uh, Romani people. Well, yeah. But, I mean, that's him as a person. I wouldn't say that's necessarily these stories right yeah yeah uh so the second thing we are talking about is ravage 2099 numbers 14 through 15 which were written by pat mills and tony skinner pat mills if i recall correctly was one of the people who did a lot of work for uh oh shoot i'm blanking on the name uh, look at devin google searching pat mills oh of uh 2000 a.d Where, well, I mean, uh, is he British? Yeah. Then he definitely worked on 2080. Yeah. There's one thing was... I've learned in life. Every British comic writer, at one point or another, did something for 2080. But he was also, like, one of the early influential people for writing Judge Dredd. Oh, okay. Like, he took over, or his first story was in the 29th issue of 2080. And he, like, created Rico, and he did the uh, Cursed Earth. So, like, he's got a oh, okay. bunch of important stuff in there. Yeah. And, uh... Yep. Uh, pencils were by Grant and Pete. Uh, pencils were by Grant Meam. Inks were by Keith Williams. Letters were by Phil Felix. And colors were by Gina Going. And Ravage 2099 was an was a original character created by Stan Lee and Paul Ryan as opposed to the other 2099 characters who were based on pre-existing properties. The basic is this premise how is Paul that... Ryan became Speaker of the House because he wrote this book, Luke? That would be really weird because I'm pretty sure Paul Ryan, a co-creator of uh, Ravage, has views opposite of Paul Ryan, current Vice President. Or... Speaker of the House. Yeah, Speaker of the House. He I failed to be Vice President. Yeah. So uh, Paul Philippe Ravage had been the CEO of Eco, which was a subsidiary of Alchemax. He questioned the company, so they tried to kill him, and he became a outlaw doing a bunch of really dumb bullshit with the help from Dak, who was the son of a former target that his company had killed, and Tiana, his former secretary. During his adventures, he traveled to Hellrock. He got mutated first to being able to shoot energy blasts, and then he was able to turn into a beast form, known as the Beast Man. And it's, like, really dumb, but it's also fun. And it's also really inconsistent, because they kept switching off of the uh, creative teams on it. Mm -hmm. Which is how it's like, oh, first he's, like, Hobo Punisher, and then he's, like, laser blasting, and then he's turns into a weird beast man yes and 
Tiana was looking for something different in her life, so she ended up joining the Thorites, where she was reborn as Hell, and which should have been Hella, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And his family I interpreted control- that she eventually she was just going to turn into the living embodiment of Hell, and she was just going to become a giant open space. Well, that's a possibility, Devin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his uh, family-controlled company uh, is in support of the city in the sky, which he is concerned about because it is causing a lot of pollution. And when he had tried to stop the uh, city and shut it down, he ran into Punisher 2099, but both of them ended up getting chased off. And when he tried to look into the files about the uh, city in the sky, Doom 2099 showed up to help, and they made plans to meet up at the city. Uh, after that, three mysterious powered people showed up in a hollow call looking for a man named Jordan Boone, who had disappeared, and they found that the projects he was working on were related to uh, Eco, the company that Paul Philippe Ravage opens, or that Paul Philippe Ravage is in charge of, and so they wanted to come after him. Tiana then woke up with her new powers and identity that had overwritten her old one, and declared that she was going to hunt down Ravage. And meanwhile, on TV, Balder has put out a call blaming all of the uh, superheroes and the eco-terrorists for the problems of the world. Because the new Asgardians are a bunch of corporate sellouts. Yep. And one of the members of this group who had called him Bloodhawk, who's like a red demon guy. And the people who called him were actually X-Men 2099, which I didn't know the first time I read it. Oh, because, yeah. Uh, I didn't actually know that. Sh- yeah, they showed up and attacked Ravage to make sure that he held up his part of the deal. So Ravage transformed and Bloodhawk backed down because he's like, oh, okay, you're the beast guy. I guess we don't need to fight you. The other two members of the team, Mean Streak and Crystalline, showed up. And uh, Ravage told them how he wanted to shut down the city in the sky safely, which Doom was going to help with. And so while the X-Men fought the guards, Ravage was able to fly in, pursued by Heimdall. Meanwhile, Spider-Man and Punisher 2099 talked things out and realized that neither of them are fans of the big corporations or the Aesir, which is the other name for the new Asgardians, so they decided to team up and kick butt. But as Heimdall fought Ravage, the X-Men, er, so while Heimdall fought Ravage, the X-Men showed up and also joined in the fight asking about their friend. Unfortunately, Hell also showed up, and she was able to use her old memories to mess with Ravage, because he knew her, she knew him. And he realized that she was just trying to stand on her own two feet and be her own person, and so when he shows that he's willing to sacrifice her, that's enough to get Hell to stop her attack, and she ran off to get her head back together. So, yeah, that is uh, Ravage 2099. How do you feel mm. about it? It was fun. Like, I think, yeah, your earlier thing, it was fun. I-, I liked the earlier stuff where it was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to steal this garbage truck and kill yeah. people who are evil. Like, that was fun. It's like, no, yeah, I'm going to go... kind of weird. Yeah, a little convoluted, and it's like, oh, okay. Uh, after that was X Men twenty ninety nine numbers four through five, which was the first of that second wave of comics. It was written by John Francis Moore with pencils by Ron Lim, 
uh, Sanders the third and Palmiati on the inks with Ken Lopez on letters and Tom Smith on colors and I want to make a shout out for Xavier Files whose uh, guide on the X-Men 2099 was very helpful as was Uncanny.net which is something I've used I'm going to wait for the train to go by choo choo Okay. Chugga, 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 And I'd like to and I'd like to make a shout out to uh, Xavier Files and UncannyXmen.net. That helped me with this one because the copies of the books that I had were not as good and also this is like the series that I enjoyed reading the least. Oh yeah, by far. So, Timothy Fitzgerald was invited to a building in the middle of the Nevada desert where a large number of people uh, who had powers uh, were waiting to see Jean Chi Zan, who preached equality before, who preached equality between people. Uh, Tim noticed that a sniper was aiming to, yeah, Tim noticed that a sniper was aiming to kill Jean, saved him from being killed, but an army of Soldiers from the Singe Casino uh, burst in. Their leader had been killed by someone with powers like Jean. And so everyone was forced to go on the run. And Tim was invited to join the X-Men. Because Jean is spelled with an X. So it's X-Men. You know, like the Xavier ones. Mm-hmm. So they went to the new headquarters where Jean's body was acting weird. Some of the X-Men headed back to the casino for clues. Junkpile, who was a member of the team who was secretly betraying them, went to try and kill Jean, like he had killed uh, Noah Singe, who was a person from the Singe Casino who had died, but he got stopped. The new heir to the casino found that Jean was innocent and let them leave. And so the main members of the team who we need to be concerned with are Bloodhawk, who was the like red demon goblin man who we mentioned previously. Tim, who can redistribute energy and goes by Skullfire. Mean Streak, who has super speed and super metabolism. And Crystalline, who can form crystals from minerals in the air. So, Mean Streak got a message from Jordan Boone, a friend from college who sent a message because he was poking into uh, Valhalla uh, since he had made a mistake earlier working for Alchemax uh, in something that was called the virtual unreality arc in spider-man 2099 that caused a bunch of stuff that isn't super relevant but it is nice to see how interconnected everything is yeah no they actually did that's one of the things i did like about this the 2099 universe they made a pretty good cohesion Mm -hmm. right from the get-go yep and the team, along with Tim, got abducted by a group called the Theater of Pain, which used uh, a kidnapped mutant named La Lunatica to trigger traumatic, to trigger traumatic memories, which uh, then the leader of the Theater of Pain would resell. And Tim's memory of accidentally killing his girlfriend freed everyone. So we then cut back to uh, the current arc, where Heimdall is now facing down the team, except for Skullfire, who is not there. And he is single-handedly beating them as Loki watches on. And it turns out that Loki is Jordan Boone, the friend that the X-Men are searching for. 
Uh, Ravage ends up saving Crystalline from Heimdall, so they move further into the city in the sky. Skullfire, meanwhile, is trying to get back to the city, but there is a massive crowd, so he threatens a uh, taxi driver to uh, fly him up there, and we get a flashback of what had happened. So the team arrived in New York City to look for Jason, and they found from his AI that he had been gone for a while, and they found a science award where they pieced together that he had discovered that the eco-anti-gravity core that was going to be used for the city in the sky was dangerous, and that it was all Jean-Philippe uh, Ravage's fault, which is why they had reached out to Ravage. And that's when the Shadow Squadron, which is Alchemax's secret police, came in after them. Bloodhawk, Mainstreak, and Crystalline were able to escape, but Skullfire got stuck in like a beanbag chair and was left behind by the group. And they never really explain how he got away. Which is weird. Are you there, Devin? Yeah, you're kind of cutting in and out all weirdly. Strange. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, uh... I lost my point. Uh, so, back in the present, as Mean Streak is heading up the taxi, the engine dies, the driver bails with the one parachute, and Skullfire is left in the air as Spider-Man and Punisher uh, continue heading up, uh, leaving him behind. Meanwhile, we find out that Alchemax has been creating the Aesir to control the public and to kill all of the anti-corporate heroes. Loki shows up in Main Streak and reveals that neurotechnology is behind Heimdall's powers and it can be deactivated with a remote, which he gives them, so they're able to shut down Heimdall. And Loki admits that he is ready to take down these gods, as the mythical Loki did, and reveals that he is Jason Boone, their friend. Uh, he had underwent the procedure because the other gods were all brutes and jerks, but he hacked the system that way he could keep his identity, which none of the other gods have done. And at that point, Doom shows up uh, carrying Skullfire, and Doom is here because he wanted to know what's going on. And with Loki's help, they've all arrived here. And that's when Thor shows up and reveals that he has heard everything that they're talking about. Yeah, X-Men 2099 is... Not good. No. I wouldn't necessarily say that it, it's actively bad, but it's the least favorite part of this. Let's get to the one I is my favorite of this. You talking about Doom 2099? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, we are talking about Doom 2099, number 14, which was written by John Francis Moore with pencils by Pat Broderick, inks by John Nyberg, letters by John Casanza with Christy Scheel on the colors. And the basic premise is that Doom sent his consciousness into the future where Latveria was ruled by a cyborg mercenary named Tiger Wild. And that's with Y's instead of I's. Uh, Doom got his ass kicked the first time, his armor was drained and his face got messed up. So the Zephyro, who is a Romani tribe, showed up, uh, saved him by giving him new armor and brain surgery. And he led a pretty great rebellion, where he ended up blowing up a mountain to kill Tiger Wild. And then stuff got really weird. He merged with the internet. His uh, group of Romani friends were like, oh yeah, let, let's put this guy in power. And that's like the most important stuff. I love like, you in 2099. 
Yeah, Doom 2099 is ridiculous bullshit in the best way possible. Oh, yeah, it's like I have no idea what's going on. But this is great. Yep. And uh, Thor isn't entirely sure what had happened to Heimdall. Luckily, Doom is there, and he explains that the real danger is the city itself, which is hovering... Uh, which the real danger is the city in the sky, which is hovering towards New York City, and if they don't stop it, it will destroy the city, which is what Ravage is now going to be working on. Thor charges at Doom for questioning his divinity and knocks him down. So Loki uh, consults with uh, Doom, informing him that the hammer is the source of Thor's power. So Doom blocks off uh, Thor's connection with the hammer and ends up causing a massive explosion that knocks them both from the sky. Mean Streak tries to get answers from Loki while the city is now starting to sink, and Loki reveals that the city was actually designed as a weapon that would destroy all of New York City when it hits the ground. Downtown, the Alchemax excavation crew is pulling Thor out of the crater that he got buried in, while Doom is hiding unscathed from the fall because like Doom 2099 is an amazing badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor wakes up and sees Sif, but uh, or Thor wakes up in a, a medical bay and sees Sif, but the scientist behind the project reveals that she was incompatible with the procedure and died, which Thor blames the scientist for. And the scientist is not having any of that, so he reverts Thor to human form, revealing that he is actually Cecil McAdam, a priest of Thor who previously showed up in The Punisher 2099. Uh, Cecil pleads to be returned to being Thor, and leaves the scientist alone to head back to the fight. And Doom, who's been quietly watching, knows that the scientist is Avatar, which is Avatar with two R's. And Avatar knows it, that like, you gotta say it, you have to pronounce it like a pirate. It's Avatar. Well there's, well, there's only two R's though. If it was three, I'd go pirate pronunciation. Uh, I guess that's fair. But uh, Avatar knows that Doom wouldn't be able to capture him and save the city, and he questions what this modern Doom is going to do because, unlike uh, classic Doom, modern Doom has a conscience. Like, he wants to rule the world, but it's literally because he would be the best person for the job. What are you talking about, Luke? That's how it's always been. He didn't have empathy before. He loves his people. And just hates everyone else. Depending on which writer is writing Doom, Doom is very nice and kind to the people of Latveria. Yeah, that definitely lat varies. Yeah. That was horrible. I hate you, Luke. Uh, so the uh, X-Men work to get everyone to the lifeboats, and uh, when that doesn't work, Spider-Man and the Punisher show up, and the Punisher uses a gun to scare everyone, because Punisher 2099 is also ridiculous bullshit. And that's when Loki shows up, and Spider-Man recognizes him, because uh, they both worked at Alchemax in the same area. But when Punisher tries to kill Loki, Loki runs with his ultimate plan being to spread chaos with his powers. Mean Streak then finds Loki and punches him, but Loki just flies off again because Loki can transform into animals and stuff. Uh, Doom has meanwhile left Avatar to save the city, mainly because he wants to try and save the city in the sky so he can use it himself. And he finds Punisher and Spider-Man. 
Uh, Ravage lets Doom know that his plan hasn't worked as the city in the sky is coming closer and closer to hitting New York. Yeah, Doom 2099 is wonderful. Yes. It's... If you don't want to read a comic where Doom fights a guy named Tiger Wild, uh, I don't know what you want in comics. For real. The last one that we are covering is Punisher 2099, number 13, which was written by Pat Mills and Tony Skinner, with Tom Morgan on pencils, Jim Palmiotti on inks, uh, Felix Kroll on letters, and Ian Laughlin on colors. And Jake Gallows is a member of the Public Eye Police Force, which is a private police force that charges money. And mm-hmm. he is also a member of the church. And he is also a member of the Church of Thor. His family was killed by on the orders of Cronstone, who is incredibly rich and also mentally unstable. But because he is also the son of Tyler Stone, he is politically untouchable. Uh, Jake found the Punisher's old war journal. And seemingly got his revenge by killing Cronstone, but he comes back a bunch of times. Uh, the Punisher well, eventually Stones like builds... to come back a lot. Yeah. And eventually he builds a secret prison under his house where he got to be judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, he had a tech partner who partially controls his suit named Matt Axel. Uh, he had a relationship with Carrie Dowen, who was a police psychologist. We got into a really weird relationship with him because she was totally fine with his methods. But she got killed by a villain named Fearmaster who turned her into Crystal. And so on and so forth. It's another series like Doom 2099 that's really weird yeah. and over the top, but fun. Yeah. I, I also enjoyed Punisher 29. Punisher and Doom were my two tops. Yeah. Well, and like later on... Uh... Like, you have really weird stuff. Like, I believe uh, Matt Axel gets put into... Gets his, like, brain put into the Punisher's bike. Oh, interesting. And it it just gets weirder and weirder. But uh, with the 2099 hero team put together, they face the Berserks, who are a sort of shock troops that are meant to weaken the heroes. And the plan is initially that Doom, Ravage, and Punisher are going to work on removing the stasis field from the generators uh, so that Valhalla will float into the city instead of crashing into it. Uh, But Punisher wonders why he's on the team, and Doom secretly knows that Punisher is a tech whiz, which you can tell by the fact that he made his own secret super prison, and he's also, like, hacked all of the uh, security grids so his face never shows up on uh, security cameras but uh, Avatar shows up to taunt the team and sends the Aesir after him and because of the change in plans Doom and Ravage go to work on the technology and Spider-Man and the Punisher work on holding off the troops Uh, Heimdall and Balder show up which pisses off the Punisher because he is a Thorite and his brother was named Balder and Alchemax is behind everything and Alchemax is also working with the fear master so like punisher has a bunch of reasons to be super angry like that's one of the nice things about punisher it's not just his family got killed it was his family got killed he's got people who are pretending to be his gods one of which was named after his brother and all these people are also working for the company that killed his family yeah oh yeah oh no man has total right to be pissed yeah and he has a brief crisis of conscience with Matt, 
because he isn't entirely sure if he can kill a god. Uh, and Matt tries to uh, make him go easy, but then Punisher punches. But then Spider-Man punches Punisher in the face, restoring Jake Gallows to full control. So he just like nukes the Aesir. And uh, meanwhile, Doom and Ravage are able to stop the system in time, setting it to be controlled by Doom. But that's when Thor comes in, smashing the controls. And the Punisher is stuck on Thor's hammer, but he recognizes Thor to be Cecil McAdams, which was his parish priest. He reveals himself as Jake Gallows, which allows Spider-Man to surprise Thor. And so following Doom's order, Punisher steals the hammer, chucks it back into Valhalla, destroying the floating city. And the resulting explosion sends the city back up into the sky as Avatar promises revenge. And that is The Fall of the Hammer, which... Like, that was a badass crossover. Oh no, it was great. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish we had more modern crossovers with that, because everyone had a part to, like, tackle. Uh, there was a good amount of build-up in pretty much all the books, except for, like, Doom and uh, Punisher 2099, where they were sort of doing well, that's a fine, weird... Doom was off being awesome in other Oh, yeah. But, like, this may be one of the favorite crossovers I've read. Just yeah, it because be. it, it goes hard. And it leaves stuff, and the world is definitely changed, because now Doom has uh, a bunch of super technology. And yep. he's just saved New York City. And eventually he becomes the president. Mm-hmm. More importantly, too, it's also in every single crossover was actually, like, warranted important yeah yeah and all of them work to inform the other parts and they all like what showed up had been established beforehand at least an issue or two beforehand yeah there's no filler issues mm-hmm. all thriller no filler and uh yeah Based on reading this, I mean, we've got a pretty good overview of the Marvel 2099 main universe. I keep saying that mm -hmm. because we'll eventually, well, when we tackle Exiles next, we'll be introduced to a sort of knockoff universe where pretty much everything is the same, but it's also slightly different. Yeah. But uh, for now, let us put Earth Mostly so they can come back and use the characters if they wanted to. Yeah. But uh, for now, let's put Earth 928 on Trials of the Multiverse. So, how do you feel about this compared to Marvel 1602? Better. I like it a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Criminal oh, Nova? Better than Criminal Nova. Uh, Iron Doom Masada? I like it better than Iron Doom Masada. Uh, Marvel Heroes? That's where I get in a tough decision. I like, I'd say better. Uh, Prince of Arachne. Better? Uh, Once in Future Marvel fan fiction. Which one was that? Uh, that was the Kamala fan fiction where Captain Marvel gives up her title because the original Captain Marvel comes back. Oh, yes, that was great. I like it better than that. I mean, I like it better like, than that too. Uh, so now we're getting into the super tough t 
territory of Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Ooh. I mean, I love Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, but... I, I didn't Tiger this. Uh, Daredevil End of Days. I, I think it's messier than Daredevil End of Days, but it also has a lot more, which... Uh, how about right above Daredevil End of Days, right under Punisher Archie? Sure. So our new number five is Earth 928 Marvel 2099. And uh, we, we got some questions in, Devin. Are you ready? Let's do it. Well, I answered your question about why was it called Marvel 2099 and not 2092. And I mean, 2099 is a much better name. Oh, it's true. But uh, we have three questions in from Xavier Files. And his questions are, Would X-Men 2099 have been better if it was future versions of the regular X characters? I think it would have been easier to get into, definitely. Especially if we had seen some of them show up, like Wolverine mm -hmm. or uh, like from the start. Because one of the things is, like, Xavier's dream has essentially died as a result. And, like, you see mutants in power, but it's not necessarily good. Yeah. But, on the other hand, you can't really... Well, I guess you could have done, like, Gambit 2099 and Cyclops 2099. But more... Well... What I, I would have actually been a little curious for is um, Nick Fury 2099. Hmm. Going off the X-Men. Not going with an X-Men one. Because Wolverine 2099, I feel like you could have done only from the sense of... He's immortal. Yeah, he's immortal. And that's the other reason I would say also Nick Fury as well, because he still had the... Infinity Serum. Infinity Serum in him still. Like uh, Shield 2099. Yeah. Uh, like, that could have been interesting. But, uh... Yeah. That would have been interesting. It's hard to say if X-Men would have worked better if it was just like future versions of regular X characters. Because, I mean, a lot of them are legacy, but a lot of them, we haven't really had legacy for them before. Like, you couldn't do Cyclops 2099 in the same way. Because mm -hmm. Cyclops is always Scott Summers. Yes. More than I'd say, Wolverine, his legacy has definitely changed. You can have multiple people assuming that title. But on the other hand, he's also immortal. And uh, at this time, they were that mantle too, that also only really changed after the fact. After 2099 yeah. came out. Mm -hmm. uh, his second question is, how much of a shame is it that Stan Lee's last major Marvel character was Ravage? Ravage is great. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Ravage is a violent, super hippie businessman who makes no sense, and he has a magical armored garbage truck, and then he turns into a laser blaster man and then a beast man. So Ravage 2099 is wonderful. Uh, and then his uh, third question is, what was the best concept to come out of Marvel 2099? Not necessarily the best execution, just the best idea. Um... Yeah. Yeah, Doom 2099 is great, just because it's so many weird, great ideas put together. Mm -hmm. 
and it's the world is literally turning to doom to uh, save it later on. And the fact that I so, still love that it is actually Victor Von Doom. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, coming to mind is uh, I'm thinking of like some of the other stuff that we've seen since with these characters. Like Punisher 2099 came back in Contest of Champions, which was great. Oh, okay. I haven't read that. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, the leader of the opposition team. And he also brings back his super prison and... Uh, he gets really pissed off because you have the British Punisher showing up as one of the uh, combatants on the opponent team. Uh, we should do a contest of champions sometime soon because that book is crazy and amazing. Alright. But uh, we are sort of booked up. Um, I also like Spider-Man 2099. I mean, he did, he's had some good runs since then. Yeah, like he stuck around solely because I think he had a lot of the initial focus and heat and it, it's he was easier to follow than some of the other stuff yeah and like and but, even him being in the modern marvel world was pretty good because mm-hmm. his crossover superior spider-man was great and he did a pretty good stuff in um spider-verse which we will cover eventually eventually in our yeah. journey to spider-verse series yes yeah but uh, this has been our Marvel 2099 special, so it's not numbered. It is not numbered, because we're saving our 100th episode for a few weeks. But uh, next week, we are going to be doing a Lego Batman tie-in special, where we are going to be covering Little Gotham. And then after that, we're doing Exiles, then we're covering another uh, big universe of Future Imperfect, and then we are covering the uh, Exiles again uh, followed by a Wolverine special and then we're getting to our 1 millionth episode DC 1 million so you got a lot of good stuff to look forward to and then we have oh, a bit what? more about free time mm-hmm. I know and uh, yeah uh, Devin where can people find you online you can find me online at Fred Ofet, that's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T and Luke where can people find you you can find me online at, at Coltreg, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. You can also find my work at LukeHerr.com. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, please let us know if you can leave us a review on iTunes or... Uh, actually, I think we had a recent review that got posted. Ah, yes. Nick, it's Tucker... Yes, we yeah, have a new five-star review from That Tucky, which is titled, My Two Dads. It was a sad and lonely day in September. The rain poured down, forming big puddles on the ground. Till the multiverse of Q came along and adopted me and raised me as his podcast son. He taught me how to talk to girls, drive a stick shift, and told me all about alternate realities. Thanks, Dad. I'll always love you. Uh... You're welcome, son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so please leave us a review if you want us to read it online, uh, which we will happily do. Uh, we also have a Patreon if you want to put your money where your support is, where you get bonus episodes like the old... Uh, 
uh, otherworldly conversations that we used to do. We also give you previews and early episodes of our spinoff podcast, Exiled, which is a weekly live play RPG podcast using the old Marvel system. So if you like those specials that we used to do, you will be in luck. Uh, beyond that, uh, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and visit our website at multiversalq.com. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week for Tiny People. Tiny People.